Hello everyone, welcome to another version of the Gulf Coast Poker Podcast. I'm Gene D, uh, co-owner of GCP, and I'm with my business partner and partner in crime, Wild Bill Phillips. Uh, before we announce our next guest uh, today, we're going to go ahead and let Bill uh, plug our next event. Bill, take it away. Yeah, uh, greetings. So... In September, we're going to have two events pretty much back-to-back. The first event is going to be back at Pearl River, September 8th through the 19th. And uh, we got the schedule up on our Facebook page. I would go there and share the post, um, comment on who you think the player of the year for Gulf Coast Poker should be. That's the social media contest, and the winner is going to get a seat into our opening event. That's ties into probably one of the front runners for that award, who's going to be our guest today. Um, we'll get to Mark Davis in just a second, but the other tournament we got going is Poker Gras back, and it's going to be at Harris, New Orleans, September 22nd through October 2nd. We will have the schedule up very soon. I've looked at it, uh, talked to Joella McIntosh, everything's looking good, and we'll have our Poker Gras page updated with all that info probably within the next few days or, or a week at the latest. Um, so we're pretty excited. A lot of big events there. We're also, uh, we know of an event up in Bossier that they're doing at Valleys and hopefully we'll be back there in December doing an event of our own, but we might be there at the end of uh, August um, just visiting somebody else's event. And that's pretty much it for the short term calendar uh, on the Gulf Coast. Good deal, good deal. Well, as Bill said, our next guest is uh, newly millionaire, Mark Davis. <laughs> Mark, how you doing today? Doing great. How about you guys? Doing good. good, doing good. Trying to stay dry down here in Louisiana. It's been raining every day. Trying to beat the different kind of heat up here in Birmingham than I just dealt with in Vegas for two months. Uh, <laughs> little, a, little, a little more of a wet heat here than uh the dry heat out in the desert good which deal, do you prefer uh, i prefer <laughs> the vegas heat just because it's not like i'm getting wrapped around a wet towel wrapped around my face every time i walk outside i can i can handle the vegas heat a little better even though it's uh 112 degrees at 10 p.m i kind of like the nights here better <laughs> right, yeah i'm with you right. i feel like uh the, the downside of Vegas is sometimes you feel like you're in the oven, you know, like especially when it gets to like 110 or whatever. But like at 100, right. it's really not that bad compared to no, you know, Louisiana, Alabama, and the South. And the so, shade actually uh, means shade there in Vegas. The shade feels a little better than here. The shade sometimes with no wind is just brutal. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we're gonna go ahead and get into the to the poker. Uh, you're gonna get yeah. the. The same question we give all our uh, our guests, um, you know, how did you wind up in this uh, crazy world of poker that we're all, we all found ourselves in? Uh, tell us about your story. Yeah, so I'm a former baseball player my whole life, played baseball collegiately at uh, Tennessee Tech University in Cookville. Um, but even before that, a lot of the guys that I hear from nowadays are all of our uh, – the guys that I played with 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 year old summers. And they were like, they all remind me, Mark used to just destroy us 
on the bus rides and the plane rides and the van rides to, to, you know, our faraway games. We used to play cards and, and that reminded me, I was, you know, talking to my kid about it. He's one of my kids is 15 now. And I was talking to him about it and I was saying, they're right. That's where I really got my start on hustling on, you know, playing, uh, understanding the game and just a lot of times just pure aggression winning and, and, betting, 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 and, and just them folding because they were nitty, and I wasn't. <laughs> so I've had that kind right. of in my DNA and in my blood forever. The way I got my start, um, everybody goes back to 2003 and Chris Moneymaker. And all, Chris Moneymaker's from Nashville originally. He was an accountant at the Boundary um, restaurant there in Nashville, where I'm from originally. I'm in Birmingham the last 17 years, but – was born and raised in uh, Franklin, uh, right south of Nashville. And when he came out and it was from Nashville, there were some kind of side games after he won it that he hosted up there in uh, in Nashville in West End area, close to Vandy. And that's where I cut my teeth. I was playing in a way bigger game than I should have ever played in at that age. I was, you know, I was right out of college and taking my gym paychecks that I was, you know, working the front desk at a gym and cleaning equipment. And I take my paycheck and go over to play with the big guys and just get killed and destroyed. But I was learning every single session. I was noticing, uh, you know, that, God, these guys are aggressive. These guys put total pressure on you. It's uncomfortable playing with them. And I was noticing all that when I was 23, 24, 25, 26 years old with no money and, you know, getting killed by – the biggest game pretty much in town at the time. And I was putting everything I had into it. Getting stay, go, somebody would go half with me. Uh, I was, you know, easily, easily to like, and I was always around. So those guys were going in with me, but they knew they were never going to win because I was just getting killed. Um, <laughs> that's how I originally got started playing poker. Now tournaments, that's more Birmingham. Like I said, I've been here about 17 years now. And we had some, some bar, bar games, bar tournaments, around Birmingham were really big. I'm talking 100, 200 people packing a bar out and uh and we'd play we $20 rebuys um and I was consistently going deep in those tournaments and um I was as I was telling a lot of people this didn't just happen in 2022 right before covid I said I'm going to take this, you know, on at least here in the southeast Beauvage, Philadelphia, New Orleans, uh, Cherokee, Tunica, and I'm going to see what I can do. And I won a tournament um, at the Beauvage. The Million Dollar Heater uh, was there, and I won a $400 monster stack for about $33,000. And uh, then COVID hits and just shuts everything down. And then the next tournament was uh, the tournament you guys run in Philly, which are phenomenally run. Uh, I play everywhere now, and they're they're still the most the best run, the friendliest, best dealers. Everything you guys do is first class, and uh, and that's that in 2022, January 6th is where this story really got good and started. But it, I was telling people, you know, right before COVID, I was getting into this, and and this is how, you know, I won a tournament right before that, and was ready to take off, and then COVID shut everything down. So I've been, it's a I long that, process. <laughs> Mark, you're the, we've heard, uh, myself included, 
watching that Chris Moneymaker on um, ESPN is the reason I got into poker. And we've right. heard a lot of people say that. But I think you're the first person to say, I got into it because I watched Chris Moneymaker on TV, and then I played with him immediately after right. in the biggest games at Nashville. I think exactly. you're unique in that regard. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, and, and he would uh... – Dutch Boyd was a buddy of his. Um, he was there at that 2003. He went really deep. So there were a lot of guys that played with Chris that funneled through Nashville right there that I had just watched in that 2003 kind of run that went deep. And a lot of the younger guys, because he was younger, you know, 19 years ago, he was in his later 20s, mid-20s when he did that. And a lot of the guys that age are who was funneling through Nashville at the time, and like I said, I had no business to be in there, but I just, I just thought it was so cool that a a local guy, uh, you know, was was made a hero, and that's kind of how, like I said, I learned especially the the type of my game that is the aggressive type and the the constant putting pressure on people. That's what I learned in that game because I felt so uncomfortable playing there, and I always remember that feeling. And it's terrible to be at the table where you feel like the hunted instead of the hunter. And, and that's, I still incorporate that in my game today. So uh, tell us a little bit, your biggest score, your most recent score, which everybody's aware of is you took down a WPT event. Um, I think you won what 1.5 million or one, 1 million or something like that. And the the tournament in, in Florida was 1 million. Right. Right. 1 million. Okay. And uh, you beat then, Darren Elias heads up, right. and Darren has more WPT titles than anybody else. So you, the guy standing in your way has won those heads up matches more than anybody else. How, how did you feel um, coming into the final table and then playing him heads up? So a little backstory about that exact tournament. Um, I was fresh off my win in Cherokee at the the World Series of Poker main event, the circuit. Uh, so. I felt really, really confident at that point, obviously winning a, a tournament. I just final tabled the one before the week before that and then won the one next week. So I felt really confident going there. But midway through day two, I took a just meteoric rise and I held onto the chip lead for the next three days. And every single pro that we all just saw and played with in the World Series was all in that event. I mean, that's the worst second biggest WPT event they've ever held in, as far as the size of the field, 2010 players. And, uh, you know, Darren, from about midway through day four, when there was about five, six tables left, when we got under 100 players to about 50 players, I noticed Darren at a table kind of adjacent to me. And he's, I mean, the presence is huge. He's a bigger guy anyway. And he's, you know, stacking chips like that are very, very high. So you could barely see his face behind his chips. So uh, it was a very ominous uh, presence at the table. And I just, I kind of, I kept my chip lead, but I always noticed, God, Darren's second. <laughs> I'm, I'm increasing my chips, but so is Darren. And then when we got to two tables, him and I tangled a little bit. So then him and I traded off the chip lead for the final from about 18 players until we got down to to nine and him and I played a couple of huge pots. But to me, that was very important. It was very important when we got to six handed and we've all broke uh, for Vegas and everybody's all happy. I immediately watched Darren and how he acted. I immediately 
tried to, you know, kind of pick his brain a little bit with what he would give, and he's a big-time pro, so he was kind of guarded with some of that. But he was very friendly, and he offered me some advice. A huge pot I played with him where him and I were 26 million, 25 million in chips at nine-handed. I had two queens on an eight-high board, and I folded, I folded to the flop bet uh, that he made on the flop, and he tells me after the thing's over that he had two aces at hand. So just little wow. things like that that I kind of picked uh, picked his brain and kind of watched him from the day that we broke on April 12th until May 25th, I was Darren Elias. That's what I ate, drank, and slept. Uh, hired yeah. Chance Cornuth, one of the top pros in the world right now. I think he might be number one on the GPI poker index right now. And I hired him for some uh, some final table advice, under the bright lights advice, uh, and it turned into being the Darren Elias advice. We watched every hand that he's ever played in the WPT event from final tables on, which there's plenty of that. To, to, so I, I felt like I had an edge only because I had so much knowledge and information on him, and I knew the type of player that I, that I am, and, and I felt like I, what I was going to bring to the table, and I knew that he knew nothing about me. So – you put those together, and it, it, it happened to the fact where I knocked out the first two players, one of our buddies, Andrew Barfield, who had an amazing year as well, nice deep run in the main. Um, and then I knocked out the first two. He knocked out the next two. So we get heads up. He's got $63 million, I've got $37 million. There's $100 million chips in play. He comes over to me when the cameras are coming down and everything's getting ready for heads-up play, and he asks if we want to do just a straight-up money chop – I'm new to this, guys. I don't know that you can do this stuff at a WPT event and play for whatever. But in my heart, like, I was very respectful to him. He's a four-time champion. He deserves that. So I said, give me a second, Darren. Just let me kind of wrap my head around all this, and I'll get right back to you. Guys, there was zero chance that we were chopping anything. He was offering me $200,000 of real money. Six hundred sixty k goes to second. 1.1 million goes to first. So he's offering me almost, well, 175,000. He's offering me 830,000 to chop it because he wanted that fifth title. That was what mattered to him. I don't know how we would have done that for TV. I didn't even get into it because I went back and respectfully told him, you know, thank you very much. This is no disrespect towards you. Uh, I don't know if I'm ever going to get back here. Um, so let's just play it out. You're, you got a big chip lead. Good luck to you. But da 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 da. Off we went. There was not one doubt in my mind. Uh, you know, I had some buddies there with me, and I told them that this is the week, this is the moment that I prepared for for a month and a half. I feel like I know every single situation that I can get in, and I'm ready for it. And sure enough, it it worked out. So um, I want to ask you a, a question about about kind of the early stages. So this WPT, there was a ton of pros. I know okay. when. When personally, the few times I've played with pros, usually it's only like, one, you know, it might be in the main event. There might be two or three spots at the table where I'm like, okay, these guys are really good. And my general strategy is, okay, I'm just going to avoid them unless the cards dictate I can't, you know. And right. Right. what do you do in a spot when they're all pros? Like when when the whole table's loaded, is it? and you're such an aggressive player, I find myself against some of these pros not maybe doing things that I would do against other people. And I think that's uh, – definitely a hindrance to me, but 
Was right. it easy to just keep pulling the trigger and, and be as aggressive as you normally are? Is did that affect yeah. you at all? Yeah, I think, and I think, uh, you know, if I was a guy that not a lot of the people that are going to listen to this podcast, maybe they didn't know as well. They would probably say, "Oh, Mark, you know, you're just saying that." But I think everybody that knows me knows the answer to this question is, "Man, I ramped up the aggression. I went after." Really? If I if Stephen Song sitting right to my right, he's probably one of the best players that I've ever played with. He's a well-accomplished guy, knows how to move his chips. He's uber aggressive. Man, when he opens or he three bets, I don't care what I got. I could have two blank cards. I'm going, I'm going to, I'm going to raise him. I'm going to be aggressive because I know that's the way that he accumulates chips. That's the way he puts pressure on people. And he's used to people folding to him. He's used to people, you know, not, playing back at him because he's so aggressive and he's usually the monster at the table. And I had a chip stack that was accelerating to the point where, you know, if they played at me and I played back, they were letting it go. Now, occasionally you're going to run into a hand, but more times than not, they're not going to have that hand that they can, you know, put their tournament life on the line with. And when you do catch them uh, in that tournament, I, I got two Kings. Steven got tired of me four betting him. So when I four bet him on the button and he was in the cutoff, he moved all in with ace three and I had two Kings snap him off, avoid the ace and, you know, take us wow, you do, you do have it every time or, and you know, a comment like that, but that's the way that I try to, if you show one, one second of indecision, one second of any kind of weakness, man, those guys are the best in the world for many reasons, but I think that's the biggest reason because they can tell, you know, the minute that they sense blood in the water, those guys are sharks. And the minute that they can sense blood in the water, they're going to pounce on you. They're going to pounce on what, you know, is food to all of us in a poker tournament's chips. And they're going to pounce on them. They're going to take them from you and have no, you know, care about it. They're really nice when they knock you out, but when, when they're facing you, they're sharks. And they're 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 attempting to take what's in front of you, and that's what I'm. That's when I really amp my aggression up. Alex Foxen, probably the best player in the world right now, he played back at me in a couple of those preliminary events out in in Vegas, and they were early on. They were smaller pots, but I would go right back at him. You just you've got to you've got to show the willingness to battle with them. And to show that you're on that stage, because I know for me, when somebody's willing to play back at me, when somebody's willing to, to three and four bet me consistently, you know, I'm, I'm going to make a little note of that. I'm not going to be as, you know, as uh, I'm not going to attempt as much to attack that one guy when he's biting back at me, I'm going to go after easy prey. And so that's kind of the way that I attacked that. And I mean, it couldn't have worked better. I made myself that promise in the middle of the day, in the middle of day two, I got moved out of the back room into the main ballroom. And when I was walking by, I passed every name that you, every name in the top hundred that you read, I was going to my seat and I'll pass every one of them. And I said, I'm going to, I'm going to attack every one of these guys when I go to their tailor, they come to mind. So they'll know that there's zero fear. They may get me, but there's zero fear in my game. And I'm going to get, I'm going to go down fighting no matter what. Dang. Hey, how was it with, uh, working with chance? Uh, I hear he's a really <laughs> cool guy. 
I just, I mean, I can't stress enough the importance that had for me and, and not that it made me that much of a better player in a, in a month and a half. I, I feel like it did, but not as dramatic as the uh, results have been, but the uh, being, having a guy that's on that level that I can pick up and talk about hands that I can pick up and say, Hey, why did so-and-so do this right here? Why did, why did Darren make that play on one of these WPTs that I was watching? Or why did Alex, you know, do this right here? And, and man, he did that right there with that hand. Well, yeah, because blah, 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 blah. Or, you know, he's always got an answer for everything. He's very studious and he is, he makes my aggression look like a little girl, like a little kid. And he's sitting there just ramming every hand. And, and he takes so much the aggressive line and everything. And that really helped con- confirm what my thinking was on a lot of the, you know, decisions I made. And at that final table, I mean, when it comes out for viewing, it's going to be a great, even if I didn't win it. I mean, I win it, so I'm, I'm partial, but it is such a great uh, viewing final table because it really, you know, people able to see everybody's cards. I, just, I, don't, I mean, I picked up one hand the entire night. At two kings once, it's you've really got to make stuff happen, and that's why working with Chance is so good because Chance is like, you know, I feel like I can win a tournament if I never had any cards, like never. There was no cards being dealt to me, just napkins the whole time. I feel like I could win a tournament. And having somebody like that, that it had been harder for me to go work with somebody that's, you know, nitty and waits on his hands to come. And it's just total mathematic calculations. And cause that doesn't really fit into my game. So chance being just that, you know, carbon copy of my game and what I feel and that, what I believe in, it was that much easier, but, but I can't even tell you how much that was of importance to me. And now the relationships continued where I've got a guy now that I can call and say, Hey, I'll be in Vegas in, in three weeks. And he'll say, Hey man, you got a place. Uh, you don't have to worry about getting no place. So you can stay with me like a buddy now, like a friend that is, you know, condescend- it's way deeper than poker. That's awesome. Yeah. So um, me and you have talked a little bit. I, I know some of the hands that uh, you got to play at that final table. There was right. a huge call that you made about Darren. Can you share that with the podcast listeners? Sure. I mean, that's one of my favorite yeah. hands I've heard this year from somebody. Yeah, 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 yeah. That one's gonna that one's gonna get a lot of uh, airtime and stuff as well because it's <clears throat> the second or third to last hand we even played, and it's when I feel like you know how you can kind of gauge at the table. Well, when you're, when you're heads up, you can really gauge. You only got one guy, and I feel like. When, especially when I made that call and he just slumped, I just felt like that took his heart out and then uh, out of the match. And he was kind of at that point giving up. And especially when you hear, you know, what he moved in with uh, three, two or three hands later, he had pretty much resigned. And that's this is the hand. So the blinds at this point are eight hundred thousand and one point six million. Uh, yeah, one point six million. Uh, big and big blind and uh, and small blind and nanny, of course. So there's four million in there uh, before you even make the before you even complete the the big blind. So I was on the button and small blind with king queen of hearts, easily a hand that I can rip it in right there because Darren's only got uh, about 
18 million to start the hand or so. So that's easily a hand I can just move in and uh, and just take the blinds or whatever. But I wanted to get a little tricky. It's going to take something tricky to beat a guy like him. And I didn't want it to be king queen versus you know ten nine and him you know sit forty sixty million and get, give him twenty million in chips. So I was being kind of cautious of that as well. I wanted to play small ball with him and see if I could you know I, basically I'll play him. I was on the button. So the flop comes. Uh, I got King Queen of Hearts. All I do is uh, complete the 800K to make it one uh, for 1.6 million, and he checks um, his option. So the flop comes Jack Eight Deuce with one heart. <clears throat> I've got a backdoor straight draw. I've got a backdoor flush draw. I've got two overs that I both think are good. So we're just going to see how this hand plays out. Darren bets the minimum. He bets 1.6 million. Uh, kind of put him on a deuce right here. Uh, the bet is just a, I want to take the pot right now with as small a bet as I can make. He had been betting a little chunkier with a, with a jack or an eight. Um, so if he's got a deuce, I'm willing to roll 1.6 million right here and see if I can develop a draw or, you know, hit a king or queen. So the turn comes a jack. Uh, now I'm a thousand percent in my head. Sure. He doesn't have a jack. Eight possibly, but I'm still really uh, hanging on the fact that he's got a deuce or even 10-9 or queen nine or a gutter or open-ended pair of deuces, whatever. We're going to uh, – he checks. So uh, now I'm really convinced that he's trying to get the showdown just as cheaply as possible, and I'm fine with that too. And he didn't raise preflop, so I don't think he has an ace. So king, king high might be ahead right here. And I'm thinking that on the turn. Okay, river comes an eight. So deuce, jack eight, jack eight. So Jackson eights with a deuce is on the board. Uh, so Darren is his philosophy in a lot of these matches where he's playing with pros is to play small ball. He's not a big aggressive gun it, gun it, gun it type player. He doesn't, he bets, you know, eighth pot, 10th pot, sixth half pot, maybe. So when he just open and leads for six million, all right, you got to do a little bit of immediately. I thought I'm good. Immediately, I thought his deuce got counterfeited. He's got ten nine. He's got all the stuff that I thought he had the whole hand. I thought immediately, but if I give this guy six million chips right here with King High, and I'm wrong, and that yeah. that helps him slingshot back into this match, like. Okay, let's go through every possibility. If he's got a jack or an eight, wonderful. Played it great. Played it totally different than he's played anything in the, the three weeks I've played with him or anything I've seen on TV. Changed it up, and he deserves the money. If he's got ace high, he's checking that down and taking the money. He's not value. He's not – if he's doing anything, he's value betting ace high. He's betting a million, 1.6 or 2.1, something like that. He's not betting $6 million with ace high. So ace high is out of the equation. That's done. The deuce, that's, that could get counterfeited here, and the only way he can win it is to bet $6 million. So basically, when it got down to it, he's got it all or he's got nothing. So now, do I have the heart, uh, stomach, brain, whatever, to pull this trigger looking at this lion across from me, the all-time most decorated WPT champion ever, do I have the heart to look across from him 
with on the TV final table where you should never let that enter your mind, but I promise you, get on there and get on the stage and, and have to show your cards to the camera every time, it is in the back of your mind. It's not going to be a final decision maker, but it is in your mind that all my friends are going to watch this. And if I'm wrong here, I'm going to look like an absolute idiot, but God, if I'm right, this will destroy him when I call and tell him I got King High. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this is a – this is a this is a title winning hand either way because if I'm wrong I'm gonna look like an idiot and he's gonna have so much momentum we're gonna be back about sixty forty in chips I mean it's like that big of a decision with this pot now and I just I didn't even say a word man I just stacked up six one million dollar chips and kind of slid them out there and kind of turned my head and didn't want to see and he said uh, you're good before. I even said a word before I made him show. He slumped down and said, great call. You're good. And I didn't force him to show first, you know, like I would at probably a bar game that, you know, I called you. You don't do that in that situation. When the guy's ready to give you the hand, give you the money, uh, you just say, you just turn it over and take it. You know, I just turned over King High and he said, wow. And when he said that and he slumped down, yeah, I knew it was over. It was done. So, at that point, it was uh, he had nine or ten million in chips, and I had ninety, and he gave it away to me. Uh, and I flopped two pairs the next hand, and he just gave it to me on a gutter. So, is this one of those situations where you put everything together and you know in your heart you're right, but now everything's amped up, the pressure, the money, the everything that you've played for and you want to get to that level, you're there now. You're, you're at that point. But can you pull the trigger against one of the best in the world to, for you to be considered one of the best? Can you pull that trigger in that situation? And it's, it's tough, but you've got to trust what got you there. And, that's, and, that, and at, the end of the, at the end of when I finally made the call, I just said, man, I know I'm good here. If I was playing at uh, – if I was playing in Philadelphia, I'd make this call. Why this isn't any different? Like there's all the there's guys sprinkled around that room, Bill, in in Philadelphia and in Tunica and wherever we go that that play good enough to get to this level where there's just a little something that's going to hit their time when we do get our chance. We just got to capitalize on it, and that's the way I finally felt. This is my chance. Like this guy's capable of bluffing right here with absolutely nothing. And I've got a hand that can catch it, and I've got to pull the trigger. And five time banks later, we called, <laughs> and uh, and we were right. That's amazing. That is definitely into, one of the my, a lot goes into one, one hand. of my favorite hands I've heard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't crazy. wait till see it on TV. Uh, definitely. Uh, Gene. So you said you played college baseball? Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Where, where, where'd you play? Tennessee, Tennessee Tech University. Uh, first base, third base, catcher. Um, one of a, you know, I'm a bigger type guy, so I'm not going to play middle infield or any of the uh, speed outfield positions. <clears throat> so basically you can roll a first base, third base, and catcher into one body, and that's what I am. But I, was, I wasn't there for defense. I was there to, to mash. So poker um, took my ability once I was done playing 
the sport that I've played my entire life since I was five years old up until, you know, college ended, my senior year of college, poker was that competitive uh, engine that kept me going on something I can prove at, something I can practice, something I can get better at, something I can do forever. You know, for some people, it's golf that they turn to. Well, for me, it was poker and, you know, that competitive juices that I got from playing baseball my whole life. And you'd be amazed at some of the great poker players. Alex Foxen played college football. You'd be amazed at some of the guys that uh, – and I know a lot of the guys here in the southeast and the Gulf Coast poker that we that we play with a lot are former athletes. Poker is a great competitive – it just keeps your juices going once you're done playing athletically to something that we can, you know, tangibly keep score for that matters. That, you know, I just – I really believe an athletic background – from the competitions that set point is really, uh, really important. And do you have any, uh, do you have any road guys that you spend time with when you travel and y'all hang out on, on the road? Do I have any what? R- road guys. Uh, oh, whoa, whoa. Yeah. well, so basically all these local grinders that have been grinding for years, I've known them from afar, and I'm talking about the the local guys. I'm talking about the Gulf Coast guys that are at every World Series of Poker circuit stop and are at every one of y'all's events and are at Tunica and Philly. I've known the guys forever, but not. But it would always be in passing. It would always be um, – but B.J. McBrayer uh, doesn't get much better than him. He's going to be at every event y'all ever have, and he's uh, – He's as good of a player, but a better person. Um, I had him stay with me out in Vegas. Uh, Cody Sanford, uh, don't get much better than him either. <laughs> I mean, I'm 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 naming the, the top of the barrel here on on good guys, but those are the guys that uh, have welcomed me in, and uh, and I don't think it has anything to do with the success I've had. I think they're just that good of guys, and and you know, those are the guys that I like to to hang with on the road. And when we're out in Vegas, those are the guys that you would see me, you know, hanging with and, and talking with and going over hands with those guys from the Gulf coast poker uh, down here in the Southeast. Those are the guys, Matt Higgins. Those are the guys that I would, you know, call and, uh, and talk to. And like I said, BJ was staying with me. So yeah, those are the guys that on the road, I, I seek advice about hands and let's go grab something to eat and sort of stuff like that. Tell us a little bit about. I'm sorry. Go ahead, G. Go ahead, Bill. No, you you were asking if they if they were staying in a house or or hotels. I guess is that right? House or at Bally's where y'all stay? So I got an Airbnb uh, for the summer um, because I knew I'd be there most of the time and back and forth. And for me. it's very important. I can do a couple days at a casino or whatever, but if I was going to be there for a couple months or a month at a time or a month and a half, I wanted it to be as um, home-like. You know, I was able to have my girlfriend out there, the kids out there. Um, I flew my 15-year-old out. We went to UFC fights that were, that were there uh, during the middle of it. For me, that's very important to get off the strip to get out of the gambling environment um, where if I 
get up early in the morning. I'm going to go lay in the pool or the hot tub at the house instead of going down and playing blackjack or roulette. Like to me, I needed that. And it let me know that, man, I could make it out in Vegas. Uh, as long as I'm living off the strip and away from all that, 10-minute drive to the casino, that's like a 10-minute drive into work. And and I just I separated the two. Um, and for me, that was really important. And if I, you know, in the future, that's how I'm going to stay out there for a couple months. And if I ever moved out there, that's how I would uh, – that's how I would do it. I need to be away from the strip, away from the, the, the gambling part of it and just doing the poker, uh, the way that I do it here. So Mark, tell us a little bit about, um, I guess your, what, what you do outside of poker in terms of job, um, career and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I made a little, uh, comment about back in the day when I was starting out after college and working in gyms and that sort of thing, I would take my little paycheck. And and so I've been working in the health club business since basically right after college Uh, in Cookville, Tennessee, there was a little world gym that opened up and I would work the smoothie bar. I'd clean the machines. I'd work the front desk, just any kind of thing I could do to be in, in that environment. Um, Y'all see me. I'm a, I'm a bigger type guy. I like to work out. I like to be healthy. I like to, you know, get cardio in on the, on the road trips and stuff. And that comes from, you know, my love of being in the gym. Well, I've worked for uh, Riviera fitness. It's a health club in Birmingham for gosh, 15 years, 17 years. And, uh, just recently bought in. So now I'm partner <laughs> instead of, just, you know, general manager at one of the locations. So I've taken that to the next, to the next level as well. And, uh, so yeah, I got a health club in Birmingham, uh, 24 hour gym. Uh, when you join, you get a key card and that's a swipe to get in. So this was the longest I've ever been away from it when I was in Vegas. And I got a great little staff there that I can do everything from the road that I needed to get done. And, uh, so that's what I do you know, Monday through Friday, um, nine to five sort of deal. Um, Are and you I think we're going to go into, go ahead. No, 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 I was probably saying what you're saying. I, I think I'm going to be able to do that and keep my club while playing poker, you know, as much as I need, especially around the Southeast. Um, that's why I'm such a big, big, um, proponent and a fan of you guys. Because the more events you do here locally, <laughs> I can just kind of pick and choose the the days I go in, play one, come back to the club, come there on the weekend, uh, leave on you know Monday morning if I need to to get here. And, and I just, I just the more things that are in the southeast that have to keep us guys that want to do this you know big time and for a living at the highest level. The more we can do down here, it's better, you know, for everybody. Keep our money down here and not go out to – now, there's going to be times where the big things are going on in Vegas or, you know, down in Florida that we, you know, got to go to if, if we are on that level. But it's the most stuff that we can do down here and keep everything down here, uh, you know, I'm all for that. That's that's where my heart is, Southeast guy. Well, we we certainly appreciate that, and I just want to say you, you, I was thinking about this as you've been talking. You talk about the great guys in poker, you know, PJ, Cody, and these other yeah. folks. 
you yourself are included in that. I know a lot of things um, what I'm not going to talk about, but that you've done behind the scenes uh, since you've had the success, which is very admirable, and you're, you're very giving to the community. You've been very good to us. You've, you've worn our, our patch or uh, our hoodie or whatever on a lot of tables, and, and we're really, really grateful for that. So thanks a lot. Well, I, I really appreciate that, and uh, I don't know – you know, um, everybody's take on nowadays, everybody's fanatical about opinions on politics and religion and everything else. But uh, all that put aside, if somebody is blessed and uh, comes into a situation that is better than the situation they were in, it's just, I just think that it is adamant. I'm adamant about the fact that we need to always be humble and always be the same exact person when I had nothing, when I was playing $300 tournaments and doing everything I could to scrape a buy-in on that together, you know, I'm the same yeah. exact guy. So I want to be, you know, anybody that, that I can help out that I can, that, that any situation I'm, I try my best and the people that know me best know that about me. And I don't want, I, I'm always going to be like that as long as, the Lord blesses me. I'm going to, I know, and I know that God expects me to do that um, for people because he's put me in this position. So <clears throat> I'm going to keep doing that. And man, I love the, the way you run things, uh, you guys. And uh, I'll be at every single event that you ever have your name a, a part of. And I'll wear Gulf Coast uh, till, till the day I die, till they take it off me. They're going to have to cover it up like they did. Uh, <laughs> like they did in in Vegas a couple of times. They, we got to cover that up. I said, "Well, I'm wearing the hat." <laughs> so, so yeah, I just I'm going to do everything I can to to push this and and grow it. I want to get as much uh, as much in the southeast as we can get here and keep all this money down here because you know we've got a a lot of guys that that have this kind of talent that can do this on this stage. I remember I was telling BJ that I was telling Cody that. I was telling Matt that I was telling all these guys, we got to get out there to Vegas, you know, but we always got to come back and bring that money back. But you got to show that these guys down in the Southeast can play with every single one of them out there. We just haven't been in that position. So once we're in that position and we can show that we can match up with them, that's all it takes. And I think me getting on that stage, whoever it was, it was, it happened to be me, but whoever it was from down here that went out there and tackled one of those gigantic names. I think everybody now is like, man, I can do it, and you can. <laughs> that's the, yeah. that's what's crazy about it. It's not like, you know, we got to go. You, you don't have to go make a team. You don't have to go impress a scout. I mean, you can. Do, all the guys that are the cream of the crop around here can definitely go out there and do it. And and I think it was really good for to anybody to get on this kind of run and to kind of show that. It just really renews that belief. Yeah, obviously we're we're big believers in the players in the South. I mean, I think right. you what you're saying is 100 percent accurate. We saw Joe Abair do it, winning the domestic exactly. uh, WSOP championship, and you right. having the success in the WPT. And and I feel like there's definitely a lot of the guys you mentioned: Matt Higgins, BJ, Cody, et cetera, uh, Dustin, and Trace, and Gavin, right. and there's a ton of guys and. You know, I apologize to all those that I've missed because there are so many that with that opportunity, I think that they're just, you know, one break away 
from you know exactly. really making a, a run in the Pokeball. Exactly, that's exactly right. So we got to keep keep supporting the tournaments down here locally. Keep going to them, making the fields big, making the prize pools good. Hit those, and that's what's going to make that. Listen, guys, this started with a three hundred dollar buy in on January sixth, the first tournament y'all ran, and me and uh, Benny, me and Benny chopped that first event. Remember, Bill, first yep, event of the year. I sure do. Fifty. 55000 a piece. Benny just wanted that trophy, man. Him and his wife wanted that trophy, and I couldn't be happier to give it to him. Give me that fifty-five k, and that that is what started this ascension, and it was down here. So I don't want to – like, it does not have to be – it can be in Philadelphia. It can be in Tunica. It can be in New Orleans. It can be anywhere. But that's the reason I was able to go play Cherokee for a $1,700 buy-in and, and roll that into 335000 That's why I was able to take that – down to South Florida and play, pay a $3,500 buy-in and parlay that into a million. And that's why now you can, you know, but we can't ever, can't ever forget the tournaments that started it all. And that's for me, it's always going to be that, that January 6th, 2022, Philadelphia, $300 buy-in. Right. And you also, yep. then you win the high roller, I think in March. Yeah. At, at I won Pearl the high River roller well. after Tunica. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What a run. Le- wow. Levi Carden. Another another phenomenal guy before poker player, but Levi can crush him. Levi's another crusher. I mean, he's that's who I beat heads up in that uh, in that, and, and everybody's just so um, this little community down here is really tight knit. Everybody's got each other's back, and I just I, I know the next one is coming out. We just gotta, like I said, support the local tournaments, <laughs> crush these, and then see what's next. But yeah, that that high roller. I'm going to tell you something about that high roller. That was after Cherokee, and that was before uh, Florida. And there was, you know, it wasn't a huge field by any means, but it kept the momentum going. And it was like, all right, this is this is really real now, and I can play with just anybody. And this is this is not a flash in the pan. This is three in a row, and then boom, and then Florida happened. So I just I just know that there's so many that are capable of the same run and it's just, I've been blessed and uh, I can't wait to see who, who's next. Good deal. Bill, you got anything else? No, I mean, I, I love the, I think it's maybe a perfect time to sign off. I, I love yeah, we're right uh, now. Enthusiasm and the sentiment. So, um, I mean, those are really things that, me and Gene are, are big proponents of the players in the South right. and promoting them and, and this community. And, and you could not ask for a better ambassador than you've been uh, this year. So we're, we're all grateful. And, and all the people that played with you are super excited and happy for you. So um, I think that speaks to the community as well. So right. well, well, I, Mark. I, can't, a great year. I can't wait till, uh, till the next event in Philly. Um, well, uh, I know it's going to be packed people. Poker right now, especially after the series down here, is at a fever pitch. So you got me at uh, Philly and New Orleans. I'll be at both, and I can't wait to see everybody out there. Good deal. Awesome. Good, Mark. Mark. T- take care, man. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later, Bill. Bye. All right, see you. Bye.